0: Hello, and welcome back to another day where I bring you figs from the brink. Today's fig, malaise, incense, and caffeine. You may be wondering how these three things come together. Me too. Here's an old writing secret that I totally didn't just make up. You can link anything. No, really, I mean, come on. The lion, the witch, and the wardrobe? You can't tell me all three of those things are something you'd expect to see on a list together, unless the list is things that shouldn't be on a list together, and the list is made up of a bunch of smaller lists. But here we arrive at what makes it interesting. There is no inherent connection. Malaise by itself is just boring. So is incense, and so is caffeine. Arguably. But what if we put them together? Well, that's what I decided to do right now. I'm drinking coffee, burning incense, and writing about malaise. Satisfied with that connection? No? Okay, let's try that again. The way I'm experiencing my coffee is affected by the incense smoke simultaneously reaching my nostrils, and I might not be burning incense or drinking coffee simultaneously had I not been born with the perennial ever-blue malaise that is depression. Everything is defined by everything else. There are billions of people in the world, but no two are the same you could name two twins the same name and they still wouldn't be the same. It would be confusing though. What are you getting at? Most of us live in a secularist society. I mean this in terms of science and religion. We can examine the world with microscopes and telescopes and measure things objectively with meters and liters, setting aside those things which are unmeasurable or have an inclination towards dogmatism in favor of those that are, because the concrete is better than the phenomenological, right? Well, for the most part. In terms of establishing objective truth about the universe, science is key. That said, objectivity is in itself no less a concept than perfection in that neither is fully attainable. If science is key, then the door to understanding existence has multiple locks. Subjective truth is like that friend you see at a party who you need to introduce to everyone else, but you mess up their name and call them objective truth instead, which is weird because objective truth never changes and subjective truth is always dyeing their hair cool colors and changing their style, but also you don't really know objective truth all that well anyway. I'm not good with metaphors. Oh, that's okay. It, It just takes a little practice. No, I mean, I have no clue what you just said. When it comes to individual experience. Subjective truth and objective truth are synonymous. They're treated with the same weight. So when my dad kept asking me if I changed the world today, I could have said, yeah, the world looks a little brighter. I should have known, really. The concept of life being subjective should be obvious. It was staring me in the face for all these years, hiding in little phrases like, rock your world, waiting for me to find it. It's like playing hide-and-seek, but you don't know you're playing hide-and-seek. Anyway, isn't life being subjective, point one of living 101? You're using metaphors again. Habit. What I mean is, by how you define yourself inside your head, you define yourself outside your head. And the world, too. I don't mean you can become the president just by thinking it, but if I think of the world as a commercial hellscape, it becomes one. If I think of myself as a failure, I am one. We write our own narratives. I'm not the first person to say this, and I certainly won't be the last. But I will say something about the nature of knowledge here that is often glossed over. You can read about truth without understanding it. Knowledge of a truth is divided by infinite oceans of reverberance from assimilation with a truth. American author and speaker John C. Maxwell said, Most people want to change the world to improve their lives. But the world they need to change first is the one inside themselves.